Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you all for joining us. I am really happy that uh, the new year has come and that you are joining us on the air. I have a friend with me. I just hired him as a chaplain at the Union Gospel Mission, and we're going to talk to him very shortly. But before we get to that, I know that in the new year, there's often those times that we look back and we go, oh my gosh, it's been such a tough year before, and now what's this year going to bring? And, and there's a lot of trepidation sometimes. But I want you to stop, and I want you to consider this. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then this is the time that you can find a good, healthy, well-balanced, Bible-believing church, and you can hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. The Union Gospel Mission, as you know, takes no government money, and the reason that we don't is because we want the gospel message to go out preached in its purity that we do not want anything that impedes that. And to take any kind of government assistance would mean that we would have to compromise how we look at the gospel and how we present it. Now, having said that, you folks out there who the donors to the Union Gospel Mission have for all these many years, and by the way, this is our 60th year, and this is the first broadcast of the 60th year of the Union Gospel Mission being in existence. For those of you that don't know, we started on 2nd Street in Old Sacramento when it wasn't Old Sacramento, but a slum. And There were five Christian businessmen who just wanted to preach the gospel, to feed the people that were out there. It was basically a soup kitchen. And over the course of the years, director after director, staff after staff, and and those of you that have donated have built the Union Gospel Mission to what it is today. We have a lot of exciting things that are going on. And as believers in Jesus Christ, if, if you are suffering also with a little fear and trepidation today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, remember that he said he will never leave you or forsake you. And let me tell you something. I know how that is. This last 12 days, I have been without power at my house. I live in the foothills And we got so much snow, there were trees that cracked all around me. They fell between the truck and my Subaru. They they dented both of them, but but it didn't crush them as it could have. Missed the house with a couple of trees that came down, and one is kind of leaning there. I'm not saying this as a woe-of-me story. I'm telling you this as I realized that, you know what, in a heartbeat— Our lives can change. Everything that we hold dear can be taken away from us. And so what do we need to hold dear? That's why the Bible has told us not to store up our treasures on earth where moth and rust and thief can break in and steal, but to store up our treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thief cannot come in and and steal your treasures. And they can't steal their joy because wherever your treasure is, that's where your joy is too. 
And so I want us to talk about hope today, and I want us to realize what is going on, what is going on at the mission. We have just got our final on the first stage of the complete rebuild of the old building. And that means several things. One, we found all kinds of studs behind the wall that were rotten. We have every piece of wire replaced, every piece of plumbing replaced, every stud and header that was bad, new walls, new floors, new shower, and all those things have been accomplished because God has has blessed the Union Gospel Mission. And the other part of that is not just that it'll be a safe and a clean environment for our guests who are the people from the street and for our program men who are upstairs, but it will also talk about how God and God's people love those that the world has forgotten about or doesn't care about. Because it's not just the office building over here where the staff works that needs to be nice and clean, but it's the other building too. And so I think there's a lot of great things happening at the mission. You guys can come by as soon as we're through this latest little COVID thing. You guys can come down. I'll be glad to take you for a tour and show you around and see what's going on. One of the exciting things that has happened is over the holidays— Uh, I had interviewed a few months ago a young man that, well, he's young to me. (laughs) I guess you just turned 40, right, Jeremy? Correct. And Jeremy has come to us. He he came, and, and we were looking for a second chaplain. And so Jeremy heard about us. You know, there's no surprises. Well, there might be surprises, but there's no happenstance in God's kingdom. Things are moved in a certain way that, you know— I hadn't really put out the call for a chaplain, but that's where we were going. When Jeremy, through a friend, through a friend, came in and met Eric, who is my my aftercare specialist, and he introduced me to Jeremy, and we started a dialogue, and a few months later, I offered him a position. So, Jeremy. Yes, Pastor Lane. All right. So, tell me, where'd you come from, brother? Where did I come from? Uh... I could start with, I am born and raised here in Sacramento, um, born in Kaiser on Morris Avenue, actually. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, um, went to school here, high school. I ended up uh, leaving Sacramento here when I was 21 to go to San Diego for a while until uh, I was about 26, and then moved to Denver and spent some time out there before circling all the way back here to the Sacramento area. Um I've uh, I've spent time in El Dorado County, and uh, when I say time, I mean I'd spent time working and <laughs> uh, um, doing things like that. But um, yeah, so I've I've been around, and the Lord's worked on me throughout those adventures, and kind of made me into the guy I am today that uh, feels um, like this is where he belongs. Well, and I I believe this is where you belong too. I told you when we were first talking that. I, a professor at Liberty University used to say that <clears throat> if you want to know if you're called to a church, don't ask for this sign or that sign, but pray that they have a perfect piece about you coming and that you have a perfect piece about going. So I ask you to pray about it, and I prayed about it too, and I, I had that perfect piece about you coming. So tell me something. Um, 
most of the time when I have somebody on, especially for the first time, I like to kind of ask them, hey, how did you even come to know the Lord and Savior? Yeah. Were you just always a believer from time you were like two or? Right, yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about that's that? A, that's a fun story. Um, I, without spending too much time in my past, I can sum it up by saying uh, from about 12 to 20, uh, 32 years old, I, I, I'd done most drugs. I, that was my... Um, path in life at that time. I, I was not a Christian, did not grow up in a Christian home, never really been to church. Um, that was a completely alien lifestyle to me. Um, and I, I just, uh, I was a drug addict for most of my life. Um, and uh, that lifestyle ended me up, uh, uh, ended up with me being, um, having nowhere to go, uh, being on the streets, um, which uh, the, the only resources I could uh, find at that time on the streets happened to be in churches. And so that was my uh, entrance into church. And uh, because I was on the streets and there were a shelter, uh, and that's where I first met some Christian men that kind of kind of were different to me uh, uh, as far as men go, uh, in my history up until that point, uh, most guys uh, really define man as being loud and uh, tough and um, raucous, yeah. raucous, and yeah. I make the money and just that—that's—that's that's how you def- were defined as a man. And then Macho. you enter church, and these guys—they were nice and gentle and loving, and they mm. listened to me, and I. I was not worth listening to at that time, uh, and I wanted to be on that team. There was just something different about those men that were involved with people like me and the character with which they displayed. Uh, I wanted to know what made them like that, and it was there in those churches uh, where those men were that I asked for uh, a connection, I guess you could say, uh, to, the, to what made them like that, and uh, they told me about the gospel, uh, they they um, gave me a Bible, and it was there on the streets in a shelter. I opened a Bible, and I was born again. Um, uh, that was March of 2014. Shortly after, you couldn't stop me from getting baptized. Uh, I was evangelizing folks on the streets and tent communities, um, leading them to the baptism tank, uh, getting involved in any way I could serve. They say if you want to see a servant serve in the church— see a transformed drug addict because they have been serving themselves and working so hard uh, their entire life. And if you flip that service to the Lord, uh, you'll see a servant uh, on fire, if you could see um, an addict born again. And that was me. I was just getting down in that community um, any way I could, got involved with a street ministry up there, and um, just sort of helped develop that into something that was changing people's lives, and um, and so that's the conversion story. That's it, yeah. Um, the reality of everything is that we all serve some kind of a king or a kingdom. Hmm. We all serve some kind of a master, and usually the master that we think we serve is, uh, is self. 
a lot of people get to a point where they want to have God added on to their everyday life. Right. They're in college or they're, they have a profession, they have a marriage, they have a family. And you know what? Now that I've gotten to this point, I just want to add that little piece of security on that says, oh, okay, I go to church on Sunday. Right. To your point, and I have had to deal with a lot of drug addicts, alcoholics, sexual addicts, and all kinds of things. And the one thing they all have in common is that they're serving the kingdom of self always, as we all are Mm -hmm. before we know Christ. The difference sometimes, I believe, is the fact that a drug addict or a person who's out on the street has done so many things that they can see that they're lost. You know, when somebody starts to point it out— and the light starts to shine on it, it's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Right. Whereas somebody who grew up in the church, still maybe not converted, not a believer, mm. but they've always been kind of good, you know, by man's standard. They've always been kind of nice. They've always gone to church. And you know the old saying, every pastor has said it at some time, you can, you can, Sitting in a pew every Sunday doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in the produce counter at at Rayleigh's makes you a kumquat. (laughs) And so we've all used it, we've all said it, but it's so true. Just because you're taking up the space and you've got your Bible, and even if you've got notes written in your Bible, until you have a relationship with the risen Lord of glory, you are an unsaved individual. Right. And it's much harder sometimes to tell a kid who's been pretty good, a student all his life, you really go into hell. Yeah. And so when you are in your condition, when you do see that, it's like, oh my gosh. Complete right? transformation. Absolutely. And then you become the obnoxious Christian who's trying to tell everybody else about it, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I've always put it this way, especially when I had preached at the mission, and I did for many, many years before I was director. I always said, you know what? I really do see it as that beggar who found bread telling other beggars where to find bread. Right. You know, there's nothing special about me. When I was called into the ministry, God didn't say, man, I really need to get my hands on that guy. No, no, no. It's the other way around. Nothing special about us. And then God takes us, and where God sends us, he equips us for it, right? Right. So you're coming into a brand new ministry, and yes, you've done evangelism. You've even done uh, a form of counseling and, and chaplaincy out on the street, But I know that when you came here, you're going, well, this is different, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Where I came from, or what I was familiar with before, was a little little chaotic, I guess a little disorganized, and um, understaffed, and there was a few people doing many people's work. Uh, Personally, I was uh, managing, I was building, I was counseling, I was um, uh, managing homes and office, and it was just too much, and uh, the load was spread among or across too few shoulders. Uh, at UGM, at the mission, uh, there are solid, equipped uh, men and women uh, team, 
and structure. And uh, it just set me at ease uh, really quick that I could use my gifts in one area and be really effective and know that all my teammates around me were doing the same thing with their gifts and what their responsibilities were there. Um, it was such a, you could breathe there and um, really excited about being able to grow there because of that. The foundation is set and it's clear that um, it's done really well and Pastor Lane should plug his ears right now, but I, a lot of credit goes to him and He'll give it all to God, but uh, God. he's been there so long, and he's really just, um, it starts with the, the leadership, and it's a great, uh, I, I'm excited about my future there. Well, I'm excited about your future at the mission as well. You know, we spared no expense. We took him and gave him the primo office right off the chapel. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you that the Primo office right off the chapel used to be our records room, and so it's pretty small, but he hasn't complained, so. <laughs> <laughs> they have been spoiling me. Don't listen to it. That's his humble joke, but they have been taking care of me, and it is an awesome little setup to have a private room to um, meet with and talk with guys that opens up into a chapel where... God's Word is taught and preached, and it, I couldn't think of a better setup. I guess they they might give me a window, which will be cool uh, to see if it's day or night, as I'll be probably uh, putting in some time there. But um, yeah, uh, it, I couldn't imagine a better setup. Well, the reality is that there's a few things that a chaplain needs to have when he comes on board. And the first and foremost is the same thing that a person who wants to serve in the kingdom of God has to have, first and foremost, the willingness to do it. And don't minimize that. I mean, Moses didn't think he should be sent, but God sent him. But God also equipped him for, for what he had to do. God has always equipped those he sent. And I truthfully believe that he's not looking for the best and the brightest. He's looking for those that are yielded to him. And so one of the things that I had to sit down and talk to Jeremy about is I have to talk to everybody, that we are a mission. And, you know, when you are working at a mission, there are inherent dangers. There might be somebody who is, is mentally unstable, well— mentally unstable and violent. We have a lot of mentally unstable people around us. But there's also sickness that comes in, whether it's the pandemic or whether it's a flu, tuberculosis, whatever. And missions are inherently a little dangerous at times. Now, compared to those foreign missionaries that go into Iraq and Iran and China and all those places, not so much. But still, there has to be a willingness that when things get rocky, you're going to be there. And so Jeremy assured me that his heart was there. And, and I've seen from the first day when he shows up the first day and we've got guys that are starting to come down with COVID. And he was unrattled by that. That's good. And the reality is that I can tell you, Jeremy, I know right now you're thinking, which direction do I go in this new job and everything? And you will ease into it. God will direct you on your path. We'll all be around you. You'll learn from us. And guess what? We'll learn from you too. Yeah. And 
hopefully we can build this to a, a, a greater coalition than we had before. We want to modify the way that we're approaching uh, the presentation to the men of the gospel, of, of sobriety, of all those things. And, you know, with Jeremy, I was concerned because Jeremy absolutely, he looks young. He, yeah, well, he is young, but 40's not super young. It's relative, yeah. It's relatively young. <laughs> and he looks like he just stepped off a college campus. But as you heard earlier, uh, and that's one of the other things that I found to be uh, a, a great qualifier. He wasn't afraid to come on the radio and tell you, hey, I was a drug addict until I was 32 years old. Yes, he's been saved only eight years, but you know what? Paul was less than eight years when he was, you know, he got saved and he was addicted to killing Christians, mm. you know, to the law. He was addicted to a lot of things. So I'm looking forward, and it, it helps with the guys because they're going to shortly see that he can identify with them in some of their struggles, and that's a big deal. You know, uh, when a guy comes on and he's, He's been raised and never done anything particularly bad. Then he went to seminary, and then he graduated, and then he's pastoring a church, and and it's all been pretty middle class, and there's nothing wrong with that because there's as much turmoil in a church as there is at the mission, but it's it's different. It's hidden better. These guys need to identify, and so— I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna do some good things in the in future. What do you think? I'm excited. Yeah, I've had a few encounters already with some guys who were just kind of checking me out a little bit, and I was able to let them know that, uh, yeah, I didn't uh, grow up in a sheltered home and roll out of seminary and just kind of get a light bulb over my head one day that I wanted to minister to the homeless and the addicted and people coming out of prison. It it's it's um I. I I've been uh, in their shoes where they're at right now. I also told them, I'm not going to tell them I know how they feel or I know what they're going through or I was there with them. Uh, My experience, it helps me. uh, It's God's used my experience to give me a heart for these guys that I, I, I know God works in those environments and saves men to himself and then, sends them out to lives that uh, bring glory to him. I know it. I'm living that. But um, uh, more than my experience, um, I, I, I want them to know that I, I'm just there to serve them as I serve the Lord. I'm there to come alongside them through this process. Uh, but yeah, I've got to share my story a few times with some folks there. And Well, you'll um, find that, you'll find that, uh, Yes, and, and it would be wrong for any of us to say, I know where you're coming from. I know exactly what you're doing because everybody's story is different. Right. There's similarities. We only have we only have a half a minute left, mm. but uh, I'd like to hold you over so we could do one more show. Yeah. And then I'll bring Jeremy back in about three months and see if the expectation and the reality match. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) And he'll be a seasoned veteran by then. Uh, But you know what? I'm so glad that God has put this in your heart to listen. And so, as always, for Jeremy and myself, until we meet again, may God hold you 
in the palm of his hand. Amen. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.